0: Hello and welcome to our Secular Sponsor Speaker Series. Each week we hear from an Overeaters Anonymous member who has obtained and maintained abstinence without God and has served as a sponsor to other members. The series also provides opportunities for Secular OA members who don't have a sponsor or are interested in exposure to a variety of points of view to learn from the experiences of others. We encourage everyone to sponsor others up to the level of their own recovery or to use these tools with each other as peers. If you're willing to sponsor or to work as a peer, please post a message at oasecularforum at gmail.com. For additional information about abstinence without God, go to secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's Secular OA Sponsor.
1: Okay, so first, uh, thank you, everyone. Um, I am happy to be here. Uh, A thumbnail about me first. Uh, I'm not going to tell my whole story, just give you a little thumbnail. Um, My top weight was 280 pounds. Uh, I am 5'3". I'm now a healthy body weight. I first entered into this path of recovery. Um, Actually, my path of recovery preceded my time in OA, and it appeared that OA was um, a good enough program for me and and that's how I've chosen to adopt it. It's good enough for me. It's nothing's ever gonna be perfect. Uh, And it's what I have chosen and has been effective for me to go through OA. Um, So I've been in OA for some years. I've been at a healthy body weight for some years. And so when I came in, as I said, 280 pounds, that was my physical situation. Uh, Spiritually, I came in as an agnostic. I'm still an agnostic. Um, but I have a higher power that works for me. My higher power uh, is not an interventionist. It does not have a plan for me. It does not send me tests. Um, what else does it have? So, and it's an it. Okay, so, so there we go on that. Everyone has a different view of their higher power. Um, emotionally, I was probably about age twelve. Uh, although that um, would have thoroughly pissed me off uh, if someone had pointed that out to me at the time, you know, when I first started. And I believe that, and I feel good about it, I believe I'm now at least technically an adult. I feel like I am a grown woman. And, and I like that. And so sometimes I need to ask myself, well, what would a grown woman choose to do? And I enjoy being viewed as a grown woman and not inexplicably as a child, which I never really understood that in the past. I had to I had to grow a little bit in program before I learned that of what that I wasn't basically childish. Okay, uh, and not in a good way. So that's my thumbnail. Um, so I've been asked to talk about um, service and how that works as being a sponsor. So to give you a little bit of background on my view of service, which might be different from some other people's view. When I first began in, in OA, I didn't have any experience at all in any kind of 12-step program. And so I didn't know what to expect, expect and I had nothing to bring to the table. And when I first came into OA, um, basically what I found in my community was that every week, um, a group of people, it was all women at that time, would talk, this is how my week was. I did well, didn't do well, I'll do better next week. Uh, And that was pretty much it. And I didn't know any different. And and that really didn't do a whole lot for me. So my experience with with OA was, and still is, I've had to go out, it's never come to me. I've had to go out and hunt it, kill it and drag it home. That is my experience. And that held true uh, when that OA group didn't work for me. I also was going online and that was of some use. Um, But I also went to open AA meetings. And that was so eye-opening and I'm getting to the service part, you know, and that's where I learned an OA sitting next to me. I mean, I'm sorry, an AA sitting next to me looked me deep in the eyes and uh, she said, you know, do you like a life of chaos? (laughs) And uh, I remember that part, uh, which no, the answer was no. Um, But she said, you know, it's good to get into service and the service item that she mentioned to me was when you go to the grocery store and you see a grocery cart that's out and about, then what you do of service is you take it and you put it in the corral or you put it to take it to the store. I've always remembered that such a minor thing. And those things don't come naturally to me. You know, remember, I was emotionally 12, you know, and I those things didn't come naturally to me. So I've had to learn those little tiny things of service that I do that any beginner can do. I, I gather grocery carts and sometimes I drag them up to the front of the store. When I go to the restroom, I would notice other people before program, they would spend all this time with paper towels cleaning around the sink. And I'd be kind of bemused by that. And thought, Oh, well, that's interesting, but <laughs> I never did it. But now I do do that. I also, you know, when I need paper towels, I get my paper towels and then I, I push the button or turn the bar or whatever, or put my hand other so that the next person coming behind me already has a, a, a length of paper towels to come out. These are little things that for me were novel ideas, but they're just tiny bits of service that help me get outside of myself and contribute to the human race. So as I begin to tie this with the sponsee you know sponsees newcomers if if they are newcomers in my experience we're so tenuous about about doing service but these are the kinds of things that any of us can do that that get us started on a lifetime of service and Another thing is when we talk about another form of service, and I never had looked at it that way, I had to grow a little bit of program is at meetings. And when i I'm highlighting those things in green that any of us can do, we don't need to be abstinent, we don't need to have been there any longer than one day. But by gosh, we can come to a meeting, just, just having our butt in a seat provide service to a larger group because when a newcomer comes and all they see are maybe two or three or four people, which is the reality in many, many communities I've been in, you know, it can be a little daunting because you want to see that more people are there. Sharing is a, is a form of service that we're able to provide. And maybe all we have to say and a share is, you know what, I'm claiming my seat today, or it doesn't have to be long. And in fact, Another way we provide service in my experience is, as, again I'm looking at from the point of view of newcomers have come because we need newcomers to continue to grow the, the larger worldwide OA um, membership is if I just look around a room, if I see someone who's maybe three, four hundred pounds, I have no idea where they are on their journey. I don't know if maybe they've lost. 100 pounds or 200 pounds and where they are today is at 300 pounds maybe i see someone who i look and think holy moly does that person that person's not only got a healthy body weight but they they look spectacular but you know what i don't know how many times they're vomiting every day my history is not in bulimia but more. i just feel for people with because when we look at someone it doesn't matter how they look we don't we can be just as insane with the most spectacular celebrity movie star figure as someone who is 280 pounds where I was. We can't tell. So if we give her a little funding, we're able to give our story to someone who's a newcomer because looks don't tell the story. And we've had and there have been people who go to a meeting and other fellows because they're just not even thinking. They don't mean any ill will, but they're not thinking. They may say, oh, why are you here? We don't know people's stories. Okay, so give the give a thumbnail of where we are. Um, I think another way we provide services to keep our share succinct, being mindful of how many people are in the room. Um, and to share only once until other people's have an opportunity. My experience, another way to give services, many of us are shy. Many of us are introverted. And it takes us a few moments before we, you know, the last time someone shares, it takes us a few moments to kind of get ready to open our mouths. But by then, maybe someone else who's already spoken is giving their second or third, you know, trip to the trip, you know, into it. So it's oh, si- a little bit of silence is okay. We can give that gift of our service to have a little bit of silence and give that another fellow time to kind of get up the nerve to share. Um, we, can, we can offer to read. We can do that from the very first day, offer to read. We can offer to lead. It does, again, we don't have to be abstinent to lead a meeting. It's a way of giving service. We can offer to open a room. Um, to set up the chairs, the tables, to get out the materials, or we can just arrive early to help the opener get set up. We can stay late to help put chairs away and tables away. Um, Another beautiful way we can give service is just be open and welcoming to newcomers. You know, newcomers, I mean, for me, it wasn't really an issue, but, you know, sometimes I've listened to so many podcasts and sometimes it takes so long for someone to get up the courage. And I'm talking pre COVID at this moment, but to just go to the place where there's a meeting, and then another whole bunch of courage to just get out of their car and go to the room. And then another bunch of courage to actually sit at the table. If we can be look people in the eye and be so welcoming and say hello, and just that makes a huge difference to a welcome to a newcomer. Okay, so that's, Again, in most of those cases, we don't need to be absent. It doesn't matter how long we've been there. And I'm gonna hurry this thing up because I've already sucked up 10 minutes here. Um, we can be creative in the service, um, coming up with different ideas of how we can be um, of use to others. And I'm gonna go right to hold a space for it because this particular group happens to be a secular group. Um, it's important to me as an agnostic in meetings that generally don't have many agnostics, my role, my responsibility, I believe, is I need to hold a space for those newcomers and those other people who are afraid to state I'm agnostic, I'm atheist, um, I'm Muslim, I'm Hindu, I'm, you know, a whole group of people who are maybe not represented as much as the group that I'm in. And as you maybe know, there are folks who in, in the fellowships who really want to work hard to 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 for us to espouse a certain sort of higher power and my role is to make it feel safe for those who don't have that kind of higher power so I'm going to skip down to personal outreach and that is that OA is not again this doesn't matter about abstinence OA is not a secret organization I'm going to be open about being a member I'm going to help normalize OA as a path to a holistic recovery because there's so much noise out there about weight and food and when and how and and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to help normalize the idea that that this is an illness. At least I embrace it. This is an illness. It's a form of I could say a mental illness, um, and I'm and I'm going to help make that not something to be ashamed of, that I have to be secretive about. I'm going to post the little OA cards in different spaces. These are all ways that I, as a newcomer, can be provide service without having to have a well, without having to be absent, having gotten that. So I wanna, there's other stuff in here about being of service. I think, I hope that you can get that I am excited about service. Um, if you get that gist, and I'm looking now for a volunteer, and if you want to be a recalcitrant, difficult volunteer, that is okie dokie with me. Okay, excellent. Laura, hey, you're my new spon- you're my sponsee. Um, Laura, and I'm the sponsor. Laura, you know what, we've been working together for a while, and I think it's time you did some service. What are your thoughts about that? What have you thought of so far?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I already have so much to do. I, I can't, I don't, I just, I can't imagine how I could fit service in. It's already hard enough for me to do everything in program that I need to do.
1: Ah, well, how are, how are you defining service?
2: Ooh, i don't know what is service
1: paula (laughs) (laughs) well what i'm going to start with is you know i'm going to assume laura that you're a newcomer and i'm going to say well one way to start is for us to get out of ourselves and so i get that you don't have a lot of time what i'm going to ask you to do is one come to a meeting early see how you can help is that something that is possible for you yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe. I'll accept in a maybe. And maybe stay a little bit later. How would that be? Maybe five minutes after a meeting ends that you can see if maybe some chairs need to be put away, some literature be put away?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that.
1: Okay. And what about, uh, you know, if you're going to be at a meeting anyway, have you, offered, have you yet offered to read any of the sections during the intro part of the meeting?
2: Oh, I'm so nervous about doing
1: that. I, I know, but you know, isn't it great that you know, all you have to do, you don't have to make any stuff up. You, all you have to do is read. And we don't care what kind of reader you are. No one cares about that. Can oh. I get a commitment from you to do that at the next meeting? To read something? Yeah. Okay. I'll, okay. All right. Yes. Okay, good. And then what about the possibility of being open to leading a meeting?
2: Oh, I'm I, i I'm nervous around talking around people,
1: so I don't know. Um, I get that. What if I were to ask you about becoming willing to become willing to lead a meeting?
2: <laughs> um, okay, willing. I'll be willing to think about being willing to becoming willing.
1: <laughs> I'll accept that. And, I, and actually, and I'm going to come back to you a month from now to see if we can drop off one of the willings to get you to be two willings instead of three willings. How does that sound?
2: Okay, that sounds good. And I think that starting with just reading something might be a good place.
1: Okay, very good. And I also do want to remind you, when it comes to leading a meeting, we always have a script. And so in a, in a way, that's another form of will, uh, just reading. And so what I'll ask you to do in the meantime to be getting ready for down the road is that you just watch and listen how other people lead the meeting. And I think what you'll notice is that sometimes a leader will hesitate, will stumble, will lose their place. In other words, they're going to make some mistakes and so will you. Yes. And the world will not collapse.
2: (laughs) Thank you for all your encouragement, Paula. You're a great sponsor, Paula.
1: Okay, stroking is not a bad thing. Stroking is not a bad thing. Okay. (laughs) I'll live with that. But so I'm going to stop with the with the with the service working with the sponsee. But thank you very much, Laura, for being willing to do that. But hope one thing I hope that I convey is, you know, every sponsor has a different style. And, And some sponsors are super gentle, gentle, gentle. That's very nice. I ain't one of those. And so what I am gonna do with the sponsee is I am gonna push a little bit. And part of it is we need one of the responsibilities of of doing services. Some of you have been around long enough to know that a meeting can become very stagnant, become stale, if only a few people do all of the service at a meeting. And what happens with that is over time, um, the meeting tends to become that or that little group's meeting. And that's not healthy. It becomes a situation where the people who tend to do continue to do all of the work over time. There are benefits to being able to do that because, hello, some of us are control freaks, So we enjoy that. But and we don't want to let go. There'll be claw marks on letting go of some of our service opportunities. Um, but, it, but over time, we'll start resenting it. Uh, and that's not healthy for the group either. And it also denies the opportunity for new fellows to grow in the program. So um, enough said on that. I mean, we really do help with service. And the last thing I want to say about service is, you know, some people are very altruistic about it. You know, if I do service, you know, I'm making a better world and I'll get a halo and whatever. Uh, you know what? And I'm, I'm selfish. I'm a selfish person. If I do service, A lot of times I'm going to do service because I'm going to make that meeting a good meeting for me. I'm going to make that intergroup a good intergroup for me. So doing service for me is a way of feathering my nest to make it, remember, I have to go hunt down my program, kill it and drag it back home. If I do service, I'm going to be bringing back what I need to help me in my program. And with that, Jim, I'll turn it back to whatever we need to do next in this process. Thank you.
0: Oh, Paula, that was, uh, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. So um, Paula, what we usually do is just uh, open it up for um, question and answer uh, with you, if that's okay.
1: Hey, that's fine. I'm ready.
0: Go ahead.
3: Hi, uh, I'm Jen. I have a food addiction. Um, I was really curious how you developed the spiritual aspect of your recovery and how you help your sponsees with that in a secular way.
1: Ah, okay. Um, good question. So the answer of how I found my um, spiritual reviews is too long to share here. So I'll try to condense it. And that is that uh, interestingly enough, if we boil all things down, there were two women I met who were, who are very strong, who have a very strong Christian faith. And that, they walk their talk, and while, that the, the, while I just don't have that DNA to have a faith in, in a deity, I'm just not wired that way, what attracted me to their faith was that they had this, I wanted what they had. I wanted what they had because these two women moved through life with dignity and grace and a complete confidence in their touchstone. That's what I wanted. And so that's what I have in my higher power and how I visualize that are, are three different ways. One is that I have a, that I received actually the idea from a, um, Thich Nhat Han, a Vietnamese um, monk who from the Vietnamese boat people and he talks about being in a boat, a small boat in the sea. And so my higher power that I touch on is that I'm in a very small boat. My boat is sturdy, it's reliable, it's safe. And regardless of how stormy the sea is around me, as long as I remain calm and in that boat, I'm going to be able to manage the storm. And then, and then the other thing is, is a big boulder in a stream that regardless of the weather, the, the whatever the water, the boulder just continues being a boulder. And so I can hold on to that. That's, those are my imageries. Okay, so how do I work with the on on their spiritual worldview? Is that, um, I, I just I try to work where the sponsee is at the moment, and and it, and if it requires that they rework the the some of the steps, which I've had to do a little bit, then I help them work through that process to fashion the steps in a way that works for them, um, in regard to a higher power, and also to just 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 explore with them. You know what what do they if they if they if willpower isn't going to be the higher power. If food can't be the higher power anymore, then something's going to be a power grade in there. Something's going to be it. What is the, it going to be? Does that help? Yes, it helps. Thank you. Okay.
0: Hi, I'm Ed. I'm a compulsive eater from New Jersey. Um, Perfect abstinence or abstinence can be a recipe for failure for some people. Do you want to address that?
1: Uh, interesting. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the phrase stark raving abstinent, which I think is what you were <laughs> or maybe alluding to, that there are people who are abstinent by definition, by the, quote, legal definition, but they're just really still, we're still insane inside. You know, again, I'm going to go back to, I work with people where they are. And so each person is going to define their abstinence. And the way I'm going to help a sponsee work with their abstinence is choose a definition of abstinence and choose a food plan that you can succeed at, that you don't have to fight with. Because if you're going to fight with your definition of abstinence, if you're going to fight with your food plan, you will lose. Program to me is not a test of wills. It's not a test of how much I can surrender to a certain food plan or abstinence, I'm going to lose. I'm, not, I, I'm powerless over food. I'm not going to get into a battle. So I think I'm kind of in alignment with what I think your question is. Someone's definition of a food plan or definition of abstinence today might be different a year or five years from now. Hopefully that's helpful. Thanks. Yes.
0: Go ahead, Kathleen.
3: Based on what you said, I was remembering a phrase that I had heard often in AA of dry drunk for people who had never gone through the process beyond just stopping drinking. But I just realized that I don't know. I mean, in other words, all their dysfunctionality, all their things that they needed to understand about themselves that were affecting and impacting them, they didn't put the energy into or couldn't face or whatever. But I realized I've never heard of an analogous term in OA. Have you? Or has anybody?
1: I think stark raving abstinence. That's comes probably pretty close, <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. right. Um, but I think dry drunk works for most of us. And but I think the flip side of that that I've heard is the concept of emotional sobriety. Yeah. And I would say for me, that's been the one of the most difficult things because just because we put the food down. Remember, I was age twelve emotionally. It takes a long time to grow up. It takes. And I remember there's a very well-known O.A. in L.A., and he talked about uh, um, how many years it took him to really have a healthy relationship because he was still crazy in some ways, even though he'd been physically abstinence for many years. I think that might be what you're alluding to, right?
3: Somewhat, Yeah. I was also thinking that when I first came into 12 steps in another program and and somebody gave that idea about when you become addicted to something, you sort of mentally stop growing in some Mm -hmm. way. And I tried sort of closing my eyes and say, okay, how old do I feel? And at that point, I think I was 34, 35. And I realized I felt like I was about two years old. How many? Two. Oh, right. And it has taken most of the 30 odd years that I've been in program for me to really get to the place where I'm feeling close to if not exactly my age and it sometimes it frustrated me but it was always helpful during the years intervening when I would behave in some way that I couldn't understand or that scared me or that frustrated me to do that exercise again and I realized oh now I can say I'm 25 now I can say I'm 30 that that changed that it was a really useful metaphor. If that's what it is, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So thanks. And I and I would piggyback
1: on that to say I had to discover that if I'm getting, if I feel my anger, irritation, my tone of voice ratcheting up, I realize that I get a chemical payoff from that. Yep. Which I used to get from food or smoking cigarettes because I used to I used to also smoke. And yeah. So if I'm going to have a temper i'm I have to know that i'm there is a payoff for me, and, and that's no different from a drug. Thank you okay,
2: first, thank you, Paul. It was a very helpful talk, and um makes me think about what I'm doing for service and and what I need to do but um I guess I sort of want to piggyback on Ed's question, which is. For me, most of the time, I can stick to my plan. But there are times when there's a lot of stress and I binge. And then the next day or after a couple of days, I'll go back and I'll stick to my plan, be abstinent for a while, and then something comes up. And how do you handle when there's suddenly an unusual amount of stress, things that have to get done, have to get done on a schedule. And that's my reaction is
1: to grab the food. Ah, what a beautiful question. I have two answers for that. One is when I did not get what I needed from my very first exposure to OA, and I went to open AA. That's when I learned that it didn't matter what incredibly difficult situations the sober alcoholics were encountered with, whether that involved a brain tumor, whether that involved seriously unchecked mental illness that they were trying to get on top of, whether it had a, a physical illness, they didn't pick up alcohol. And that's what I have to remember. There really is no justification for me for me to do it. I may do it because I'm powerless over food, right? I may do it, but there ain't no justification for it. Part two of my answer is I know, I know stuff's gonna happen. Failure to plan is a plan to fail, is, a, is a, an aphorism. I know that if things are gonna go awry, I need to have a plan for when things are gonna go awry. So that means I have to have certain kinds of foods stocked in my kitchen or I have to have my second plan. So for example, um, there's a particular, if I'm gonna be out and about and I, don't have, and I haven't packed my food, which I'm a good packer of my food in advance, then there's a certain place I'm gonna to go to that I can get safe food. That is in every single town in the entire, at least in the US, okay? So that's what I'm gonna do. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, one last thing though, food. So you talked about the extremely stressful situations. Yeah, food was my drug to deal with those stressful situations. So I need sometimes I need to plan pre care and after care. So if I'm going to go into a stressful situation, what am I going to make sure I have a decent meal that maybe I have to eat earlier than usual, in order that I go into that situation, having eaten, and then what do I need to do to make sure that I'm going to do something to take care of myself after that stressful situation? Thank you.
3: Um, it's Kathleen again. I just wanted to share something that only just this minute occurred to me. When I stopped drinking, I was did it through a medical program with Kaiser, and one of the things that they suggested was to find things to keep in my mouth for a while until I got to a place where I didn't need it. And one of the things they suggested, which turned out to be really helpful, was using toothpicks or pieces of straw as a, like a cigarette. And I used one of those objects or the other for at least 10 years before I was able to finally let go of whatever the part of me that was wanting something to, re- to be able to let go and not need to hold on to something. And I'm thinking maybe I need to do that with food, too. I've never thought of it before because I'm not much of a cook, so it's hard for me to plan meals. But I could sure plan to have toothpicks around or pieces of straw around or something to maybe get through the first 10 minutes when I'm going crazy for fun at any rate thank you for all the conversation that helped remind me of that thank you
0: Paula thank you that was great and very important and visual applause audio applause please thank you thank you <laughs> great and well I'll give my plug I many of you have heard this um I've been in OA for 32 years, at least two meetings a week. And it wasn't until I got involved with Secular OA two weeks, of, two years ago and started playing a role, you know, setting up meetings and trying to think of the community. And I really do believe that that service has been the biggest. I've, I've not been absent in 22 months. That's the longest in 32 years. <laughs> so service, big plug for, for service, even the team's kind of off-putting service helps you stay abstinent at whatever level I mean that's like the plug right and um, you know if you think, if you're worried like I am about how to make the breakout room go or this or that you're not looking at the refrigerator so there you go Thank you for joining us today to hear recordings of other speakers in this series visit secularovereaters.org And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our
3: work.